First Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. Remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe sufferings with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Quick prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask for the help of the Holy Spirit as we look at the Bible now, that the words on the page would make sense to us, that they would speak in, you would speak into, the, into our lives, into our life collectively as a church family, into each of our lives personally. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, summer drawing to a close. How would you fancy a few weeks in Greece? Sound good? Just to clarify, I'm not offering to buy everyone tickets um, so much as to lead us into this book of Thessalonians, which is in, Thessalonica is in modern-day Greece, and the letter we're reading is probably the earliest letter in the New Testament. It's the first one that Paul wrote, and there's a rawness and a freshness and a reality about it which is gripping to read. It's written to encourage a church, a brand-new church, and yet still Paul says of these people that have been Christians for just weeks, Verse 7, you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Verse 8, your faith in God has become known everywhere. The story of these people is that uh, Paul, Silas and Timothy, who the letter's from, they'd spent just three weeks, three Sabbaths in Thessalonica, talking to people, showing them from the Bible that Jesus is the Messiah, the promised one from God, the rescuer. And they'd done that, and they'd got a response... And there was jealousy from the Jewish quarter. They stirred up a mob. There was a riot. And Paul and the others had to run for their lives. And you can bet your bottom dollar that as as they disappeared, as they had to get out of town, well, the opposition didn't stop at that point. And so verse 6 that we just had read talks about welcoming the message in spite of severe suffering. Which means... Uh, Paul's writing to these brand new Christians, I don't know where he was, but he wrote, wrote back to Thessalonica to reassure them, what's happened to you is real and it's wonderful and it's good. There's no need because of the suffering to change what you're doing because actually you in your church are a model. You're, it's really, the message has really transformed you for good. And you're a model, actually, for other churches to learn from. So that's why, 2,000 years later, we're still reading this letter. A couple of things that we'll look at this morning that made them an authentic church and a church that, actually, we'd like to be like them in the way that they grasped what God had done and what God was doing in them. So the first thing is that authentic church is, from verses 2 and 3, 
a community of faith, love and hope. Paul tells them what he prays for them in verses 2 and 3, doesn't he? By the way, that's a really good way to encourage a Christian, is to tell them that you're praying and tell them what you're praying for. Uh, he, He says that when he prays, he always thanks God for them. Another top tip on prayer there. What does he thank God for? Their faith, their love, their hope. Now, I, I, the, the slight danger of those three, um, Andrew explains them theologically as we, we introduce the service, but the slight danger is we, in a church, think, oh, faith, love and hope, that's great. And they were just really nice people, weren't they? Yeah, I'm sure they were very nice people, but it means a lot more than they were, they were lovely people. It's not a sort of fluffy thing. He's saying that in these people, there was something that had changed from, and changed on the inside, and then they had changed from the inside out. There, there was faith, love, and hope in these people now, in a deep way, planted by God, that was changing their lives for the better. So it's not just a vague faith in the message that they'd heard about Jesus. It's faith in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 1. It, it's not just that they were lovely people, although I'm sure they were. It's that they know the love of God for them. They know it. They know it. And then they reflect that in the way they treat each other and the way they treat everyone else around them as well. And it's not just that they were sort of optimistic, hopeful people. They knew Jesus, and because they knew Jesus, it changed the way they saw everything in their lives. They saw the world differently, they saw the future differently, because they knew it was all about Jesus. They, They discovered that now, what everyone else thinks. And so they were able even to endure severe suffering. Now, apparently, there's a girl in Liverpool who uh, Andrew Holt, our curate, loves. Why why do I say that? I can't see inside, and we can't see his mind and his heart, can we? But there's been some stuff that we've noticed in the last year or so which supports the idea that Andrew loves grace. There's the regular trips to Liverpool throughout the year. There's the holidays just been on with her whole family. There's the ring on her finger. And the fact that Andrew's begun to change his bachelor ways and allowed Grace to rearrange his flat and tip a load of things out. And, and it's just the beginning, apparently. <laughs> Those visible actions show in ways that we can see the reality in Andrew's heart and mind that we can't see. And that's what Paul's meaning here as he talks about faith, love and hope. You can't see those things, but verse 3, what goes with them? Work, labour, endurance, in spite of severe suffering. Changed people, changed from the inside out. Now I'm conscious that for these these people who are getting the letter, the change happened really quickly. Um, For many people, particularly those of us who've grown up knowing about uh, Christian things and been taught about Jesus, it can often feel like a much more gradual process that change happens. And actually, even when someone becomes a Christian overnight, which uh, by the grace and wonder and power of God still happens, and we want to pray that it happens for more and more people, but even if someone becomes a Christian overnight, faith, love and hope has now been planted in their lives by God. But those things still need to grow over time. And so how does that happen? Well, it starts with this welcoming the message about Jesus. Do you see that in verse 6? And then it's as we welcome it and, and, and genuinely think, I want this message, this truth about Jesus to go deeper and deeper into me 
and for me to go deeper and deeper into my understanding of this message about the Son of God come to save us. That's the mindset which means that these things will grow in us and, and actually there's, there's something we can do to, to actually seek more. Jesus said, um, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And so we can, as we realise that God is good, seek more of God. And we want to, don't we? That's one way that these things can grow in us and amongst us. The other way is to act on them. To act on our faith and our love and our hope in our lives so that there's work and there's labour and there's endurance. There's, there's stuff that actually changes in practice. Uh, it's, it's that way round, you see. Uh, just like the, um, the action of Andrew catching a train to Liverpool... It wasn't the action that made Andrew love grace, it was because Andrew loved grace that he caught the train. But actually, as the action expresses what's inside, expresses the love, it actually strengthens that because you're taking action on what you know and what's been planted in you and actually you're doing the thing that enables the love to grow. And in that way, as we put faith, love and hope in action amongst us, they become part of who we are as a church, part of who we are as people. They become normal in this gathering. God does the planting of the faith, love and hope. We grow as we ask and seek and knock for more of God and as we put those things into practice and we live out those things in our lives. Let's think of an example. Uh, Take one of them. Take the example of love. I think the temptation in London is to hold back from loving others. Because we think, gosh, I need to look after my own needs. And yeah, we do need to take care of ourselves, we do need to watch out for some, what sometimes happens in churches if people give and give, and them, give themselves until they've burnt out. That's not good for any of us. And Sure, we need to watch out for that. But we don't want to hold back because we're worried about our needs or to hold back from loving for fear that, gosh, I won't be loved. No, we press in to the love we know in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. We press in, we seek him, we receive from him and as we do that, we pray, we ask, we seek, we knock for the Holy Spirit to reveal more of the love of God to us individually and amongst us and we put the love into practice and as we do that love becomes part of who we are it becomes part of what we do as God teaches us to love and it's the same with faith and hope as well authentic church is a community of faith, love and hope and secondly authentic church is a community loved and chosen by God See that in verse 4? We know that you are, says Paul. He underlines it for them. He teaches them what it is to know God now. Because, you see, it's as they, as we, believe and grasp, as we just grasp the privilege of what it is to know God, of to have heard about Jesus, what a privilege it is to have heard about Jesus. Not everyone can in the world, because some countries you're banned from preaching the gospel publicly but not here, we have. And so we've heard that's a privilege in and of itself and as we've put our faith in Jesus, we've been forgiven and we've come back to God, the God of everything that the youngsters are learning about, the God who made us and made everything. 
And we've come back to God in friendship and forgiveness. And wow, what a privilege that is to know that. Now, of course, every day, everyone nowadays believes that they're special, don't they? Everyone's sort of brought up to think that. And so if someone says, you know, God has chosen you, you think, yeah, yeah, of course he has. You know, why wouldn't he? But that's not quite the Bible's perspective on why we're all special, which we are. We are all special to God because we're made by God, but we all go wrong. And God says, in spite of that, I want to choose you. And so to know ourselves chosen by God, he doesn't have to choose us. It's not because we deserve it in some way. But to know that because we've heard of Jesus and put our faith in him, that he has chosen us. He does love us. Means that we are very special indeed because of him. We are a community that knows we are loved and chosen by God. Now that sounds great. How can we know that's not just a great sounding idea? How can we know it's real and true? Because of verse 5, Our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. They'd heard many religious uh, ideas and philosophies, no doubt, over the years. But when they heard about Jesus, the Holy Spirit worked in power, convicted their hearts, and they thought, whoa, this isn't just more words, this is truth. They heard actually a really radical message for then, just as it is for now, that there is only one true and living God. That was at the heart of the message. And there's only one way to God. His son, Jesus. They heard that. And the consequences of believing that message and leaving behind their um, idol worship and their lifestyle, well, it was far more severe for them than it was for us. The worst that will happen for us nowadays in this country is that we'll be seen as fundamentalists or bigoted or anti-scientific or something like that. For them, it meant violent persecution. People trying to put them in prison, beat them up, Uh, and even kill them. But they welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. They said, yeah, okay, we'll we'll go through all that because this is true. Now, for you and me, our joy levels will vary. Depends on lots of different things, doesn't it? But the very real experience that, that, that Christians will have, it will feel different for every individual, but... Every Christian will know something of this, that the Holy Spirit has been at work in us, spotlighting Jesus, spotlighting the message about him, and there'll be questions that we don't know the answer to, there'll be issues that aren't resolved in our minds and in our hearts, but we come to the point of saying, this is true, this is true. And so we welcome the message, and... As we do that, we put our faith in Jesus, we become part of a community that is loved and chosen by God. Verse 4, we know we are. Uh, Let's uh, just drill down a little bit deeper into that, because I think in our culture we're used to leaders that um, change their minds quite a lot and contradict themselves quite a lot, and they don't seem to have deep convictions about truth and such things and principle by and large, not, all, not everyone all, all the time. And I think, it's interesting, uh, so we've kind of got that as a kind of like, oh, they're all like that. But at the moment, there are a few that aren't particularly like that, aren't there? There are a few on either side of the debate that seem to have very deep convictions and really believe that they're right. And so about this sort of matter of really believing something's true and having deep convictions about it, we sort of feel a tension 
because we're aware that some people with deep convictions do end up doing quite a lot of damage, don't they? Because they just won't stop. They won't listen, they won't stop, and they just keep going, and they bulldoze through everything, and we think, oh gosh, we don't want to be those kind of people. Maybe we're better off in the middle, you know. We don't want to become radicals and extremists, do we? The only thing is, it's hard to think of Jesus as anything other than a very radical person. He was just the right kind of radical, wasn't he? Coming and changing things for good. And people with deep convictions about the right things make a huge difference in the world. Um, An easy example is someone 200 years ago, William Wilberforce, working for a lifetime uh, for the abolition of the slave trade in this country. Uh, uh, Closer to now, uh, the relatives of um, those killed in the Hillsborough Stadium disaster, campaigning for 20 years before seeing justice done. And of course, in our community, we want to support Yvette and the others in the campaign for justice for Grenfell. You see... Having confidence and deep convictions about the right things is something powerful for good, isn't it? In our lives and in the world. And so it is with the church. You and me, knowing, verse 4, knowing that we are loved and chosen by God. It's there on the page and us saying, okay, wow, that's wonderful. If God says so, I believe it. That is a powerful force for good in our lives and in our community and in our world as we live and act out of that. And so how will that confidence grow amongst us? Well, we've already thought about Jesus teaching to ask and seek and knock for more of God. He says as he he teaches about that that God will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask and what will the Holy Spirit do among us? He'll do what he did in 2,000 years ago in the church in Thessalonica. It's what he always does in groups of people. He, he brings them to Jesus. He gives us a confidence in Jesus. He teaches us more about him and leads us to be more like him. And so will you pray, Sunday by Sunday, for the Holy Spirit to be at work when we gather? In you, work in you, but in work in us that like he did with the Thessalonians back then, we might have a humble confidence that if God says we are chosen and loved, then we are. And the other part of uh, growing in confidence is uh, to open ourselves to more of the message. It all comes from welcoming the message and we want the message to go deeper into our lives and in our conversation with each other, our understanding to grow. And then practically speaking, maybe that means... um, saying, do you know what, I'm going to plan so I'm committing to church week by week so that I can always be part of this gathering to hear more but also to live it out uh, amongst us. Maybe it's going to the website and um, downloading a sermon when you miss one, uh, being part of um, one of the life groups uh, that are going to start a week on Tuesday. I've got a new term card um, this uh, this week. Um, or, Or if you can't make a Tuesday then maybe get in touch with a friend or one of the staff team and say, hey, you know, I'd love to meet one-to-one. I can't meet the group, but I'd still love to look at the Bible each week or each month and make an appointment in my diary 
to open the Bible and to think more and to learn more. And to reassure, we don't need to be afraid of committing ourselves 100% to Jesus because if we look at his life, his life of love, even for his enemies, shows that he will turn us into the right kind of radical with a love for other people and a willingness to go through suffering, following him even when others aren't. That's the fruit of knowing that we are loved and chosen by God because of Jesus Christ. So let's uh, briefly close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to be an authentic church, uh, a church that you are at work in, just as you were in this one we've read about, a church which others can say, yeah, we can see God has taught you and planted in you faith and love and hope. We can see it from the lives you're living. And we can see that humble confidence you have that you are loved and chosen by God. We want, Lord, that to be the truth about us, the story that we uh, are able to say is true of us. And we know that that's only going to come as you're at work. So please, Lord, do fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lead us deeper into these truths. Uh, Work it amongst us, we pray for your glory. Amen.